Twigles. We're here. We made it. Coming at you from the past. <laughs> um, this week, we are talking about the movie Annihilation, directed by Alex Garland. Ooh. It recently came out, and we all got a chance to see it. And it has been relatively controversial in the realm of film criticism on Twitter, at least. And a really interesting conversation has been going on about it. So we're going to chat about it this week and briefly talk about the book. Um, as we did with our last episode, American War, I think we should save our ratings for the end of the episode. Because like American War, there's kind of a lot going on in Annihilation. And I think we might benefit from talking about it a little bit first. Um, but to get us started, I want to ask the question... What would your job be in a team going into Area X? What could you bring to a team going into this strange world? What would you do? Who's going first? I will. I'm Susan. Um, what a great job introducing yourself with your name. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just saying, some people don't. Also, we should just make a note of the fact that Susan was having some technical difficulties, so if her recording sounds a little lower <laughs> quality than usual, we apologize. Yeah, if it sounds whack as fuck, it's because it is. Okay. <laughs> We're just glad you're here, Susan. <laughs> Shit, mm-hmm. I know. Tell us about your job. Okay, so I... I'm a really good listener and I feel like I just would be there to just comfort people and hear them out when they were having their big freakouts. And I like to mm-hmm. give hugs and I just would, I think I would just be the comforter because I can't do any yeah. science. Mm-hmm. The emotional the support specialist. Yeah, but no science yes. at all from me. Makes sense. Um, I'm Kelly. Hi. Hey, Kelly. Um, So I'm a graphic designer, which would really come in handy in Area X. (laughs) Just kidding. It wouldn't come in handy at all. Um, I I guess I would probably do, like, some kind of strategy stuff, like helping figure out, you know, the best way to allocate our resources and et cetera. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me because all of my skills are – very like indoor kid skills. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So I don't think it would go very well. Okay. Uh I am Emily. So I thought about this. I prepared an answer. I was like, let me see what everybody else says first before I say this. <laughs> and I'm just gonna go with it anyway. So I am getting my PhD in English with a specialty in fiction. So that's not going to be helpful at all. What will be helpful, though, is I love animals a lot. Like, a lot. So I volunteer as a bear wrangler. Oh, no. I'll be the bear wrangler. You're just going to die right away. You're just going to die. These are ordinary bears, Emily. I know. Okay. That's fine. Okay. I don't know if it is fine. I I hate to tell you this, but we're probably all going to die. So yeah, I mean, I mean that's kind of probably. my answer is this is a situation like the zombie apocalypse where like I would be the first to go. Yeah, <laughs> your your job you is know? first dead. Yeah, the de- the dead person to- exactly Token first dead um, girl. I I will provide human meat with my dead body for the others to eat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Even though I came up with this question, I don't really know what my answer is. Because I took your answer at Bear Wrangler? <laughs> no. No, not a bear I think wrangler. maybe I could be... I don't know. Maybe I would, like, plan our trips. <laughs> you gotta have a I plan. I wouldn't allocate resources like Kelly, but I would say, like, this is when we're gonna stop for lunch. <laughs> Just a shout out to my favorite vice president, Joe Biden. You gotta have a plan. You gotta have a plan. You'd be the itinerary yeah. keeper. Yes, I would yeah. keep the itinerary. Because they would keep, take a whole person to keep a schedule. Yeah, also, for the record, if the four of us went in together with no one else to help, we would all die fast. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm okay Probably with that. Probably day two max. Yeah. Maybe day it's one. It's unfortunate because it's like this is a team of cool, strong women in this movie. And... We are yeah. also a team of cool, strong women, but our strengths don't really play to, like, sci-fi nature. And it, they're indoor kid skills, like you said. Yeah, yeah. and also they're artsy skills. These yes. ladies- As the bear wrangler, I might not even survive long enough to see the bear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Your job was literally sacrifice yourself to the bear. Yes, I'm that person. If you're listening and you're wondering, what are they talking about- <laughs> Um, I'll do a quick intro. Um, Annihilation was a 2014 novel by Jeff Vandermeer. You may have heard me mention it once or twice. No. Um, Jeff Vandermeer is a much-hailed author of the new weird science fiction genre. Which isn't real. It's uh, We talk about it extensively in our episode on Born, so definitely go back and check that out if you haven't already. Um, The novel follows an unnamed biologist as she journeys into Area X, a swath of land on on some coast somewhere in America, but probably Florida, because it's based on St. Mark's Wildlife Refuge, and also uh, Jeff Vandermeer's own time living in Florida. Um, This area has experienced an environmental anomaly of some sort and is changing into something other. No one really knows. The biologist and a team of three other women scientists explore the area, taking precautions, but only the biologist comes back alive. The novel is her written report of her experiences in Area X. Annihilation is also a 2018 movie written and directed by Alex Garland, the mastermind behind Ex Machina, which is an excellent film. Um, The film follows Lena, a biologist who signs up for an expedition into The Shimmer, an area off a coast somewhere in America that has experienced some sort of event. Viewers see a meteor hit a lighthouse at the beginning of the film, um, but the scientists don't know that. That's just for the viewers. Um, Something to cause things to go weird, though. So Lena and the rest of the team, four women scientists instead of three, explore the area, finding leftover messages from those who came before them, including Lena's husband, Kane, played by Oscar Isaac. Cardamom Blessing, Bubblegum Husband. The film is intercut with Lena's memories of Area X, her current interrogation at the hands of the Southern Reach, and her memories of time before she ventured into Area X. In Garland's usual style, it's very trippy and very creepy. <laughs> did you write that yourself, Mary? I did. What a good, good job. job. So much yeah, better thanks. than Goodreads re- uh, summaries. Well, I mean, there is no Goodreads for movies. <laughs> I guess Rotten Tomatoes. But. Letterboxed. Um, so... We all got to see the movie. Emily and I actually saw it twice. Once yes. on a date 
with boys. <laughs> and once, not with each other? Nope, not with, with each boys? other. Once on a date with boys separately. And then once on a friend date with also Ben. A boy. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, ben so was there. it two separate dates with boys and then a joined yes, date. We weren't together. I saw this movie. The first time I saw this was in Denver. So I was definitely not with Mary. Second nope. time I saw it was with Mary. Yeah. So. Spoiler. Um, Mary I is saw it Denver. by my damn self, which is not on a date. Girl, I'm sorry. The first time I saw it, we were in the front row. Me too. It was opening night. It was packed. And as soon as we sat down and the movie started playing... And the opening scenes began. I turned to Todd and said, this is freaking me out right now. <laughs> like, I was like, this is too much. Were you high? I hate it. No. <laughs> I was just freaking out. Because we were so close and I was so yeah. scared. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty, there were a lot of sequences of intense dread. Yes. And I was with my friend who I went with and she didn't really know a lot about it going in i was just like do you want to go to this movie and she was like oh yeah like she had maybe seen the trailer but just didn't really know what it was gonna be and she's like is it an action movie and i was like uh (laughs) there was there's yeah but it's in it yeah it's like is it an action movie that's not the genre that i was is it a is it a romance yeah it's a romance it's (laughs) A hundred percent of romance, and that is the entire movie. No, but like the, like at the end of the movie, she turned to me and she was like, "Kelly, what the fuck was that?" <laughs> she was very mad, yeah. and I was like, "I'm sorry." I sh-. She didn't like she, it. She she ended up the next day. We talked about it more, and she was like, "I think I give it like a C." So really, no. She just I think didn't. I think it was too like trippy for her like i think she was mostly on board until it started getting really crazy at the end there and also just so everyone knows we're probably going to get into spoilers so from this point Not forward for sure we're going to spoil things definitely that's yeah. what we do we're here. gonna do what we do every time yeah which is spoil. i have to say hard for me because like i personally like to listen to podcasts that don't spoil things so i feel you you people out there who are like yet another episode that i can't listen to i'm sorry <laughs> i never listened to podcasts about movies until i've seen the movie so mm, yeah well this one same, might be kind of hard to catch in some sure. places so good luck everyone just well go see it and then then yeah. listen. Yeah. Do it all in one day. It's going to be a great day for you. And go as soon as possible mm-hmm. because uh, I don't think Paramount is super thrilled about this movie. And it's probably really? not going to be in theaters yeah. for very long. Oh. But we're thrilled about it. So you should go see it. So if you haven't seen it yet, just pause. Yeah. Go no, see we'll it. wait. Gonna, right go here. see it. And we'll, we'll wait. We'll be go right now. here. Wait. Ready? Okay. Ready? Welcome, hey, back. Back. Welcome back. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Are you changed now? <laughs> Do you feel different? Are you still you? Ooh. So, <laughs> even though I kind of jokingly said, is this a romance? A huge part of the movie is the relationship between Kane and Lena. Lena, the biologist, played by Natalie Portman. And Kane, played by Cardamom Blessing. Bubblegum husband. Oscar Isaac. A major reason that Lena goes into Area X 
in the first place is that Kane has been gone for a year. He's presumed dead at this point, really. And then one day he just shows up at home, back from his mission, and he doesn't remember how he got there or why he's there. And he's acting weird. And he did it, his hair in a new way. It's like about slicked to say, back. Yeah. His hair has gel in it. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not into the no. hairstyle. I like it. Yeah, loose. a little wild. He looks good with the yeah. wild do. Loose and free. His pre-return hairstyle is far superior. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And some government agency intercepts Lena and Kane in an ambulance. Um, they're mm-hmm. in an ambulance because he's coughing up blood, and. A government agency comes and uh, seizes him and takes him to the Southern Reach. And takes her, too. And Lena decides she wants to go into Area X so she can hopefully discover what's making him sick and figure out a way to cure it with her powers of biology. So the whole crux of the movie is that Lena, I think, really loves Kane and wants to fix him. Oh my gosh, you know what I just realized? What? what? The, the Okay, so there are five five people that enter Area mm-hmm. X, all girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Kane, who is a man. Uh-huh. Kane is Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> oh, no. Lena is Sailor Moon. And the other four are the other, other Sailor, Sailor Scouts. Kane doesn't do anything. <laughs> Kane doesn't do anything. He and then just he says, shows up at the end. Lena. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's why I love this movie so much, because it's Sailor Moon. It's Sailor Moon. A retelling of Sailor Moon. So, all of you critics who are, have been saying, like, what is this movie about? It's Sailor, Sailor Moon. Moon. So, like, stop. The thing that's weird about this, so, like, the whole point of Lena going in is so she can fix Kane. We assume they love each other. We see flashbacks of them throughout the film. But I kind of wonder... I mean, I guess their relationship is a good as good of any place to start. Sure. Yeah. So, Mary, what did I say during the movie when we went to go see it for the second time? When we saw it <laughs> together, Emily turned to me and said, "They never get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> like in every flashback, if you they're in bed." We're married to Oscar Isaac. Would you ever get out of uh, bed? Or Natalie Portman. Well, they're also not having sex. They're just No, in but bed. they're always like a they're just they're in like bed. about like, to have sex. Yeah. Um they it was definitely implied that they were yeah. about to have sex. Okay, yes. Or they they were either about to have sex or they had just had sex. And we're it gonna do it again. Uh, yeah. They're gonna go again, etc. I just wanted to see their relationship in other areas of the house, at least. They were on the couch once. Like, there was one scene where they were on the couch, yes. And he just looks at her and says, hi. (laughs) He he goes, hey. And she goes, hey. And then it cuts to her sobbing in the woods. And they probably went straight (laughs) to bed after that. They probably went straight to bed. Yeah. They definitely did not fuck on the couch at all. No, they went to bed. (laughs) Yeah. I just wonder if this relationship is developed enough to be believable because there definitely was like a chemistry between them that mm-hmm. was good. And I especially liked the playful moments. Like there's a scene when they're in bed and Kane says, I'll be on the same hemisphere as you 
So when we're looking up at the stars, it'll be the same stars. And Lena loses it and says, She's do not you having think any that's of that. what I do? That I just go out into the garden and pine and say, oh, these stars are the self-same <laughs> stars my husband's looking at. And I love that. I mean, they're playful. Yeah. And, and he like grabs her and he's like, you're disrespecting not only the armed forces, but the flag <laughs> in your country. <laughs> Yeah, I agree that I think they had a really great chemistry, and I think that their moments, like, in their relationship seemed very real, and they seemed like real characters, but there wasn't a lot of development or – and there was no understanding of what led to the affair that we find out about um, that Lena is having with a – Another professor. Dan. Dan. Fucking Dan. Dan. I have a question about Dan Fucking and the affair. Dan. Yes. Um, was was that meant to take place after he was presumed dead? Or No. No? No. Because it it seems yes. like Do you think he it, knows? Yeah, because it was implied that Kane leaves because he knows about the affair. Yeah. See, okay, I did not get that. Maybe that's dumb. But I thought it was like He's gone, and while he was gone but not presumed missing is when she slept mm-hmm. with that guy. And it was like, oh, do you feel like he knows, and that's why you feel bad? Like, just – you know what I mean? Just a oh. feeling like, oh, he knows about this somehow. I kind of thought that, too. Like, it wasn't 100% clear to I me. guess it could be that. It might, it might be something that would be clearer if I saw it again. I mean, I think it was pretty much implied that the reason that he decided to go on this mission that he knew was a suicide mission was because he knew his wife was cheating on him. I thought that that was kind of Well, the only time I thought that was when Dr. Ventress said, like, you find ways to sabotage, you know, whatever it is, whether it's the happy marriage or whatever, and, like, implying that she had sabotaged the marriage, and that's why he signed up for the mission. But it just – the timing of the flashback made it seem like – he was gone for a while, and so she went ahead and kind of gave herself permission to do that, but then felt bad. Well, also, when he leaves, he doesn't kiss her. Well, Goodbye. okay. Yeah. Which I had issues with either way. But, um, well, it just made me sad. I don't have an issue. I just, like, if it was me, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. It made me sad, I mean, too. I think we're supposed to think, what the fuck, man? But I think also we're supposed to think, like, oh, shit, it means he knows, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I... Emily and I talked about this a little bit too that it, it's it's sad that we're starting here because this is probably the thing that was n- the least good the least good which is you know really mm-hmm. smart term for how I feel um <laughs> about the movie that there and like one of the r- huge strengths of the book this relationship because in the book we get a lot more of a sense that there was just something like off about their relationship and not because either of them did anything wrong but because of the type of person Lena was who doesn't have a name in the book and the type of person Kane was and like how they're not even though they love each other they're not entirely compatible and there's like a distance between them that grows and it's like that distance that that causes him to leave and yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to have this like inciting incident of like Oh, she cheated, you know? Um, right. But there there wasn't anything like that in the movie, and there was also nothing about the relationship to lead us to understand why she might cheat on him. Um, 
Well, that's why it didn't seem like it happened when he was there to me. Because yeah, but then like why? Then the pr- if that's the case, then the problem is why did he do it? You know? Yeah. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. But so either way, it's an issue, I guess. I mean, I assumed, you know, he's a soldier and the operation that went in before Lena's were all soldiers. And so if they tell you to do something. Well, I thought maybe yeah. he was like that Hurt Locker guy who was just like, I want to go back and do a thing, even though. Well, if the if the assumption is like, oh, well, if if you do it, if you're a soldier, you just do it, then she wouldn't have asked why he did yeah. it. Yeah. And that was, like, a question yeah. she kept asking. Because she said he volunteered way, himself. Like, you know? hearing what is hearing what that was like in the book and that the cheating wasn't part of it is really interesting. Because, like, uh, clearly this was just a thing that was shown for audience, like, movie audiences to be like, okay, got it. Yeah. Because there was something really, like, nuanced and beautiful about the way that the relationship in the book was written that, like – it it was just more realistic that two people can just like drift away from each other even though yeah. they love each other mm-hmm. so much and like she does go after him and volunteer you know so i think it's unfortunate because i think that they're like oscar isaac is amazing obviously and so is natalie portman and i love their scenes together but i wish that there was like that extra more to yeah. them yeah I feel like a lot of time that was spent on this affair could have just been used on developing their relationship more. Yeah. yeah. Know, like, well, especially now knowing because the affair knowing didn't that there wasn't an affair in the book is like, oh yeah, you definitely could have not done it. Yeah, I guess the only re- real reason that it's good to have Dan there is so that we can get the line where Natalie Portman, oh man, school, where Dan says, "You don't hate me, you hate yourself," and she goes, "No, Dan, it's you too." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is great. And Dan was like, so "Which is good. the best No, Dan, it's you too. She says it so yeah. angrily, like she's not sad. She's like, no, she literally Dan, says, "I'm not interested in talking or anything you have to say." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. she's like, "You Dan need to go." Bye, Dan. <laughs> also, watching that a second time, you realize that at the very beginning of the movie, Dan is like hey, come to my garden party that my wife and I are hosting, mm-hmm. even though we had an affair and I never told my wife about it, and that's totally cool. Like, what kind of asshole do you have to be? To yeah, and that? also, yeah, like, that even is just if you're not comfortable cool. with that, wouldn't you just assume I wouldn't be comfortable with that if I slept with yeah. you and right. don't really want to be around you and your wife together? And told you immediately after, well, this was a Right, mistake. like, right after. <laughs> Just really quickly, I, I mentioned before, like, maybe waiting until the end to talk about more, like, the differences between the book and the movie as, like, a separate thing. Yeah. So I guess we should also just mention that Susan hasn't read the book, but Mary and Emily and I have. I didn't so. know it was a requirement. Mm-hmm. So I didn't So do Susan it. is a bad student. Yeah. And this is also going on her permanent record along with all of her other mistakes. But just kidding. It wasn't a requirement. I just really wanted to read the book. So I was, was busy reading yeah. Bachelor Nation books for all of you. <laughs> technically. For the blog. Yes. Guys. I really the Kay and Lena's relationship is the thing that bothered me the most about the movie. And it didn't even really bother me. I just kind of thought about 
how believable it was to me. And I think it is because I was influenced by the book, perhaps unfairly. But everything else I want to talk about is like straight up Alex Garland. What drugs are you on? Um, So Area X is a place that no one really knows anything about, despite studying it for some time. Uh, Dr. Ventress, the psychologist played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Poor gal. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, Tells Lena at the beginning of the movie that the border to Area X is expanding and they've sent all kinds of people in and animals in, but nothing comes out or at least like not the same stuff. But something has. Yeah. And Kane has come back at this point, but who's not? Okay. But we get like this really, I feel like for a while in the movie, it's kind of a slow build of what is happening, what is happening. And Lena keeps looking at things and saying like, oh, these flowers shouldn't be related. They're different plants, but they're growing on the same vine. That's weird. You know, stuff like that. They keep talking about how like uh, nature is off whack in Area X. And eventually, Mm -hmm. Josie, the physicist played by Tessa Tessa Thompson Thompson, who is great (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Josie talks about how she has a theory that everything within Area X is working through a prism so anything that is in the area is fragmented and redispersed to other things Emily brought up a theory that relates to Josie's um, discussion of a prism. I mean, that's not a theory. Well, it's in it. It's in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. But like the first time I saw it, I noticed some weird stuff. Like there's a tattoo that Lena has on her arm while she's being interrogated that she doesn't have in flashbacks. And she doesn't have when they first go into area X. Yeah. Yeah. She eventually has it at some point, but I didn't know when it showed up, but all of a sudden I was like, Oh, it's on her arm now. Apparently, apparently, at some point, everyone has the tattoo. Mm. Like, at different points in the movie, different people have the tattoo. But I did not catch that, even though I was looking for it the second time. Spooky. (laughs) The thing that bothered me the most is at the end of the movie, Lena finds a videotape of Kane right before he dies, question mark. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But she finds a videotape of him. And he has this thick, crazy southern accent. Yeah. (laughs) That he doesn't have at any other point. And so the first time I saw the movie, I was like, why does he have this shitty accent all of a sudden? Was he supposed to have this the whole time? And then the second time I saw it, I realized he only has that accent in that scene. So likely this is an accent that he picked up from, like, one of the other people there. Like, that's not his voice anymore. Like it's someone he's speaking with someone else's accent. Interesting. I kind of noticed him having a tiny bit of an accent in certain scenes, though. Like in the bed scene when he's talking about the moon and stuff, it's like a little bit there. But at the end, he's like, "I don't know if I can go." (laughs) It was very, (laughs) so very thick. It's so disconcerting. Did you recognize him as one of your people? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, he's from Georgia. I get it. Oh, George. Georgie. He's a, he's a Georgie. 
It's just like, it makes sense though, like if we're operating under the assumption that pieces of people are getting fragmented and mm-hmm. redispersed, that someone's accent could be redispersed. Because if the tattoo that is just getting... seems really cool. Yeah, I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that. I really don't think he was supposed to have an accent in any of the other scenes. I think it, we were supposed to hear that and be like, what the hell is going on with his voice? Because like... That, that makes me feel a lot better because otherwise I'm like, Oscar Isaac, what are you doing? <laughs> I would like to think Oscar Isaac, yeah, is like better, more of a, like more talented than yeah, that. He definitely You know is. in Con Air, when Nicolas Cage no. sometimes has an Alabama accent? <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I'm with you. He I'm like not, occasionally you. has like this real specific Southern accent. And other times he's like, hey, I'm Nicolas Cage. And you're like confused. Nick Cage is a different sort yeah, of. Yeah, I'm not sure if we can truly compare Nick Cage and Oscar. Just saying, Isaac. is there a chance? I'm not sure. If- I mean, we can. Is there a chance? It could be. <sighs> Should we? A if con they air were, situation. If they were both in the shimmer right? together, could have fractured. Maybe they would. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> or kind of hot. I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing hot about Nick Cage. Nothing at all. Not even in Con Air? (laughs) I've never seen it. Nope. So I'm going to go with a no. I'm fucking kidding. He looks ridiculous in Con Air. He looks ridiculous. Pretty pretty immediately after uh, Josie brings up this theory of the prism, she maybe commits suicide? I don't know if I look at it as suicide. I think they're going to die no matter what. And so yes. I think she decides that the most peaceful way for her to go is to kind of, like, accept it and, like, merge with the landscape and sort of, like, become one with this thing. Mm-hmm. Because she says something along the lines of one of the other characters is trying to do something to it. And to Lena, she says, you're trying to fight it, but I don't want to do either of those things. Mm-hmm. I, like Face it or fight it. She didn't want to do either one. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so she just sort of, like, I I really liked that scene because she's sort of, like, turning around as she's talking and you can see these, like, leaves and roots and stuff starting to grow off of her body. And, like, throughout the movie we see all of these, like, figures made out of this, like, it almost looks like a kind of mold. Like, it's – but it's really colorful and it looks so beautiful. Flower. It looks like flowers, like very tiny flowers. It's really pretty. It's it's so gorgeous, and especially, like, against the green of the landscape, which really does look like Florida, I must say. Like, it looks mm-hmm. so much like the, like, prairies and swamps in Gainesville, just, like, all the Spanish moss and, like, just everything about it. But um, I don't know where they shot those scenes, actually. I'm looking it up right now. Have you, have you ever been to St. Mark's? Kelly? I haven't. I have not. Do you know where it is? I want to say it's like in North Florida. I'm not totally sure where it is. I would have to look it up. The Shimmer was shot at a surprising location. Let's see. Is it in mm. London? <laughs> shot at where yeah. we shot Game of Thrones. Um, why don't you just fucking tell me? Why do I have to read this whole article? Clickbait assholes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's probably where they shot Con Air, if I had to guess. Susan? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. The area... Is just outside of London in <laughs> Windsor Great Park. That's really funny. Of course. They were like, we wanted oh to look gosh. like Florida, but like Florida's gross, so we're not going to go there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, because I knew that they shot the mo- the movie in London, or at least part of it, so. 
Hmm. There you go. That's really interesting. I don't know how that's not London nature, though. Mm. They must have had to add things to it because I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot of Spanish moss in London. (laughs) (laughs) But I could be wrong. Yeah. But it all of these uh Josie like in this town they encounter these plants that look like people. Yeah, they're like shaped like pe- like formed into the shape of people. They look like sculptures basically. Mm-hmm. Like flowers and branches mm-hmm. shaped into people. Mm-hmm. And Josie Maybe we don't see it on screen, but maybe becomes one of Well, we these. see her becoming one. We see her becoming one, flowers begin yeah. to grow out of her, vines come out of her arms. Significantly, I would argue, vines growing out of her self-harm scars. Definitely. And it's the first time we see her in the movie without her long sleeves but, on. But. Yes. Well, if she becomes one of those things, but the other ones were supposed to have not, that was like. A plant DNA yeah, situation. That's what where I the thought plant too. Because like was that, refracted and grew right. to look like a human, not a human turned into a plant and so froze that way. Which exactly. So exactly. That's not consistent. It bothers me. I agree. Well, I don't know because it seems like there's all kind of all kinds of weird shit going on, as, such as the intestines. Uh, what the fuck? Wrapping around themselves Y'all, and morphing. That scene was my jam. The moment that happened, I was like, I'm fucking in. I was like, I'm terrified. in for this. I thought Devin, my friend beside me, was going to throw up. I really thought she was going to throw up. Imagine me in the front <laughs> row, like, <laughs> gripping onto the seat. <laughs> oh my God, it was so good. So there's a scene um, where the team of scientists finds a tape from the previous expedition featuring Kane cutting mm-hmm. a man's stomach opening, pulling the skin off, and revealing that his intestines are writhing around inside him like worms or a snake. Oh my god, it's so really awesome. awesome. It was crazy looking. <laughs> and then they like it throw down the camera creepy. and they're like, I'm not, yeah, let's not watch no, that No, that again. was so like, it was almost like good Stephen King. Where, like, it doesn't turn away from yeah. the, the weird thing and just goes for it. And I loved it. And that's when yeah. I was like, oh, I'm here. I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went yeah. all in. But back to the flower people, there was also another thing that they were walking past of, like, a person against a wall whose body had sort of, like, exploded and you could see, like, bits of the skull in there. But then there were also all these, like, flower mold things growing up this, like, wall mm-hmm. as, like, part cool of a person. Looking. That was the guy that got cut open, wasn't it? Was. It? Yeah, it yeah. Really was. Yeah. So that must have been him yeah. somehow having a similar process to Josie, I guess. But... His was quite different because his body was in different places. That's true, but her process is not complete, Right. She does seem like I'm just going to become one with the environment. I'm just going to let Area X happen. Yeah. yeah. It was almost like she had a say in what happened to her, which was kind of strange. Because I was like, where'd she go? Then I'm like, wait, did she just decide, like, I'm going to become one of them? And then she became a plant? If so, that sucks for the guy who didn't know he got to decide what happened. Because... His body was in, his head was way up a wall, and his bottom half was at the bottom, and there's a lot of stuff that exploded in the middle. And that sucks worse. This is true. 
He could have been dead when that happened. But he was alive when he got cut open, so does it matter? Yeah. What would Nicolas Cage do is what I'm saying. Title of the episode. Yeah. I don't don't know enough about um, biology to truly speculate on how this could have worked or how the different things could have occurred. Because it's like if you have – a different type of body or a different person with different genes and stuff. Like, how are their genes going to refract on themselves as opposed to another person? Like, there, I feel like there are so many elements of this yeah. that you can't, like, really – unless you know what you're talking about, which I clearly don't. Well, as a graphic designer, though, how would you say it would happen? <laughs> I just think it was aesthetically I mean, pleasing. <laughs> like it looked pretty. It's fiction, and the science doesn't have to be sturdy. Yeah. I just, I mean, we can understand that every every bit of DNA and matter that enters this area is somehow fusing and morphing to create new things. Yes. And we see these things throughout in some of the most terrifying mm-hmm. moments of mm-hmm. the movie. Um, so early in the film, uh, an alligator, big alligator. thing... With shark teeth. With shark teeth and a weird writhing red maw of a mouth. Yeah. Attempts to take Josie into the water and they kill it. There are also two beautiful flower deer. I loved those. That move in unison. But there's also a bear. My buddy, the bear. That Emily would totally kill. <laughs> a bear creature. Bobo the bear. And I was intensely watching the bear the second time I saw it. So, like, basically, the bear takes somebody, mm-hmm. drags them off into the woods, and everyone goes looking for her. Um, this is the kind of the most unknown actress. I was just movie. about to say that. Like, the bear drags off the one that no one knows who she is. Yes, it's Tuva Novotny who plays Jess Shepard, who is, I guess, a geologist. I don't really know what she was doing. She doesn't she do about rocks much. <laughs> I don't know. She talked about rocks. Yeah, oh. they were like, whatever um, scientists we can throw at this thing, like we'll just take it. Yes, <laughs> but she gets dragged off into the woods, yeah. and they yeah. go looking for her. And um, her disappearance, Shepard's disappearance, kind of coincides with um, Anya Thorinson's mental break. Anya, played by Gina Rodriguez. Jane the Virgin. Oh, that's what she... Okay. I don't watch that, but she looks familiar, Mm -hmm. so that makes sense. And I'm... I gotta say, Gina Rodriguez was giving it her all. She was really good, I thought. She did some capital <laughs> A And she was acting. like, if I like, no, I don't like. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> she was great. So she's kind of like having a mental break and s- saying, like, I see my skin moving. If you cut me open, are my organs gonna be moving? Like that guy in the Prob- video. I mean, probably. Yeah. Though. And then... Then everyone hears a noise that sounds like, help! It sounds like Shepard. <laughs> and and we're immediately like, that ain't Shepard. Yeah. Because we saw her dead body earlier. Yeah. Well, and I also, like, 
having read the book, I was like, oh, honey. Having not read the book, I was like, (laughs) maybe her DNA got all refracted and she popped back up again. Also, like, I'm not totally sure what refracted entails. (laughs) It probably doesn't bring you back to life after a bear attack, but in my head, I was like, it might be her. Yeah. So, Anya runs out the door with her gun, like, we gotta save Shepard. Nah, girl. Nah, girl. It ain't Shepard. It's the bear. This is why you needed Emily there. Yeah, to wrangle. Listen, so as a bear wrangling expert, I have included, and we will put this in the show notes, a link to the visual effects and how they came up with the idea of the bear. Um, It's really interesting. And, like, one of the things that Mary and I talked about with the bear after seeing it for the second time is... uh, something that they talk about in this article is like we we see that like as these people are being refracted and other things are becoming a part of their body and they're like morphing they're also decaying Mm -hmm. and we see this with the animals as well so like one of the things they mentioned is like the alligator we see that the alligator you know like it it was originally just supposed to be an albino alligator but they were like no it should look sick and so they went back and added like yeah splotchy splotches to it to make it look sick and like also with the bear mary pointed out that the first time we see the bear it kind of looks like he's got more of a head like i saw ears yeah so then the second time we see the bear like we he's definitely just like a skull yeah, uh, with which like is his, really terrifying, like flap of fur yeah. like hanging off of the face. I definitely noticed that because I was like looking at that while watching, just like how like it's such an impressive effect. Oh my gosh, it's really cool. It looks awesome. Um, so if you want to know more about like how they came up with that idea and like some of the other visuals of the movie, definitely check out this article because like it's really interesting how like a mm-hmm. lot of these things they came up with were sort of just like improvised on the spot. Yes. Um, including the bear. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like maybe the bear is like also slowly decaying. And so the second time we see the bear, when we get to see the bear more closely, it's like <laughs> not as much. It's not as there as the bear once was. The bear is not as there. Yeah. The bear's skull <laughs> is bare. I c- uh <laughs> bone is sticking out but even though it's decaying it's still creating something new in a sense that it has this new voice Mm -hmm. of shepherd and is using that voice to kind of like adapt to its environment the voice is what lures anya out Mm -hmm. from this locked it almost looks like a yeah hybrid between like a giant wolf and a bear too it's got kind of because the first time I, when we saw it in the mm-hmm. night vision it, it looked and it had more of a face it looked more like a wolf to me and it kind of moves really fast like a wolf yeah one of the things they mentioned in this article too is that alex garland just said like oh it's supposed to look like a giant bear and then later he was like i didn't say what kind of bear though maybe i meant like a giant water bear like those <laughs> microscopic creatures you know um so i think like they were bear is very like a loose term for what we see just because like we really don't have words for what that creature looks like i don't think like the closest thing we can come to is like it's kind of bear like yeah well same as like the alligator having kind of sharp teeth and they someone asked like oh is it a crossbreed Mm -hmm. and lena said you can't you can't crossbreed different species you can't do that but just like you couldn't with a wolf and a bear but i'm so glad the biologist was here to explain again if it was the four of us no one we would be like those teeth are 
fucking scary, but I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I don't remember, like, what part it was at, but when, like, someone goes, that's literally impossible, and Tess Thompson goes, it's literally what's happening. <laughs> it was Lena who yeah. said that about the the plants that shape like humans, yeah. It It's, uh, the bear was, like, easily the, one of the more haunting parts of the movie, but there's just so much to unpack there, and I would love to see, like, a a uh, analysis of that scene. All right, write it. <laughs> okay, write it. <laughs> yeah, for the vlog. Be what you want to see, Mary. Be what you want to see. The bear also goes on to kill Anya. <laughs> yes. And then mm-hmm. sort of has her voice. That's horrifying. That mm-hmm. moment when they're trying not to react to the bear wolf thing. And it's just like screaming human yeah. sounds right in their faces with that skull face mm-hmm. ah. yeah. it's flap oh of skin oh my god speaking of yep. flaps of skin oh, when Lordy. it just like rips Anya's face off oh yeah mm-hmm. that's fun there's some really fun violence in this movie there's fun gore yeah, there's fun violence fun gore. yeah as <laughs> opposed to gross gore yeah I really the thing I want to talk about the most is the end like the last oh my god can we please the movie because that's kind of what all the critics are talking about is what is happening and you know my girl emily yoshida your girl (laughs) my girl culture critic and twitter queen (laughs) wrote an article and she she liked annihilation and has said a lot of positive things about it but she also in her article said i'm gonna start with the question what makes a good drug movie (laughs) are you serious (laughs) yeah and i mean she meant it as in like the end of the movie is terrifying and confusing and doesn't make a whole lot of sense and it's sort of traditionally the type of thing that people would like want to get high and watch i could see that it just made me feel like I was high while it I was did. I didn't feel like I needed to get high for that. Like I had this I had a moment where I thought, if I was high It'd be too much. Yeah. It would, I would freak the fuck it out. It would be too much. It would. Watching that for the yeah. first time, like if I knew what to expect, but like I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Mm-mm. Should we explain what happens in the end? I mean someone probably should, yeah. So Lena goes in the lighthouse and she finds she finds a corpse. It's all charred against a wall, and she finds a video camera. Um, she plays this footage, and she watches the Oscar Isaac Southern accent tape, um, <laughs> which involves him sitting against the wall, recording himself, and he's holding a grenade, and he says that he can't take this anymore, and he can feel his skin crawling and moving. And then he's like, will you tell Lena, like, I don't even know if he says that, will you tell her anything? He just says, like, will you tell Lena or will you find her? Mm -hmm. And off screen, you hear Oscar Isaac say, I will. And then you see he pulls the little thing in the grenade. I don't know what the technical term is. The pin. The pin. Ah, yes, the pin. He pulls the pin and, uh, you know, catches on fire and everything. And then we see <laughs> this figure approach and we realize that it's, like, the back of, like, the new cane. With the hair. With the, with the back hair. hair. 
the slicked back hair and the shaven, like clean shaven face. AKA the one that showed up in Lena's. Yeah, house. despite the fact that the one that's on the ground is like super scruffy and like clearly hasn't shaved and is like has beautiful you know, curly locks. And is from yeah. Georgia all of a sudden. And is from Georgia. So anyway, we see this. She's obviously like, what the fuck is this? She goes into this hole, which watching it, you're like, don't go in the hole. Don't go in there. Yeah, she's gotta. But she's gotta. So she crawls in there. She finds uh, this psychologist, Jennifer Jason Lee, sitting in there um, with some weird shit going on. Like, it's hard to tell what's happening. There's something Mm -hmm. weird happening to her face. And she's, like, talking to herself. And, you know, Lena comes in and she's like, what is going on? And then Jennifer Jason Lee slash... Dr. Ventress uh, basically just, like, explodes this, like, light beam. <laughs> and it's, mm-hmm. like, and it's, like, the sounds, shooting everywhere. The sounds of the last, like, 30 minutes, I could not. Yeah. Blorp! <laughs> yeah. Blorp. Blorp. <laughs> um, and then the light beam becomes a... Uh, like flower looking th- I don't even know. How would you guys describe it? Looked it looked sort of vaginal. It's like yeah. a floating vaginal flower. It's like blooming over and over sort of. If yeah. only this was a visual podcast, you could see what my hands are doing right now. They're just blooming. It kind of looked like, you know those things when you're a kid, the little tubes with water in them? Water bottles? <laughs> no, no, no. It's like a tube. It's it's a toy. Like water snakes, maybe? It's like a toy. Oh, it kind of like pulls in on itself? Yeah. Yes. Oh, those, yeah. It totally does look like that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So Lena is just staring into the center of it. And then, like, I am having a hard time now remembering how it transitions into becoming. There's like that blood drop. A drop of blood comes off her face. Vaginal vortex. Mm-hmm. And it sort of births or becomes a black figure of a general human, simple, like, idea of a human shape. Um, it really looked like the alien from the end of Under the Skin a lot, if you guys have seen that movie. Oh, yes, I've seen that movie. I know you have. It looked like almost <laughs> the alien. It reminded me of that moment in, like, do you remember Signs with Mel Gibson? Yeah, You know when yeah. you just see, yeah. like, an alien kind of quickly walk by, and you're like, oh, At the shame. birthday party. Yes, at the birthday party. Iconic. <laughs> um, would it looked like that for a second, but then it, you see it, and it's like a iridescent, all-over, mm-hmm. gray human shape. I would like a nail polish based on this yeah. humanoid. Yeah. Oh, oh the yeah. The shimmer. Yeah. Let's make a nail polish collection about based on annihilation. annihilation. I just thought of six really names okay, cool. for nail polish colors like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the shimmer. Okay, um, back on track. the th- The thing comes up to her and starts kind of trying to like. Sh- of course, she's like, "What the fuck?" And she's like trying to escape, mm-hmm. but then the thing is like approaching her and kind of like backing her into a corner. And then it starts to, like, move the way that she's moving, and yeah. it's, like, mirroring her. It's a mirror thing. And 
I got really taken out of it for a moment because, like, she falls to the ground and this thing, like, gets is going to get down on the ground with her. But as it does so, it, like, slowly, like, like lowers itself into a squat <laughs> and it looks like it's, like, getting low on the dance floor or something. <laughs> <laughs> it just, like, sticks its ass out and, like, slowly squats down on the ground and then it, like, lays down next to her. And I was like, what is happening? I did not see that <laughs> as a... I don't. I didn't. Uh, maybe it's just me. But anyway, it, after, no, it happened. No, it I'm happened. sure it did. I just didn't. I wasn't taken out of it. I was so mesmerized by Natalie Portman in this scene. Like she's so fucking mm. good right here. She's really good throughout. So it just continues to mirror her, and eventually, <sighs> I don't even know. She, guys. she gives it like she puts a grenade in its hands, pulls the pin, and runs out of the light. Okay. Yes. And it catches on fire. The lighthouse catches on fire. It goes back down into the hole. Everything in the hole catches on fire. And for all intents and purposes, the lighthouse and everything in it is destroyed. My question. Why didn't the whole lighthouse catch on fire when Kane lit it and was leaning against the wall? Well, yeah. (laughs) He did... (laughs) He didn't, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, he didn't catch the creature on fire. The creature is just extra flammable. <laughs> or it also, like, went down in the hole and was, like, down there with all that plant material. Yeah, and that's true. Anyway, that happens. She runs There's out. no good explanation. And then we don't really get to see how she, because I don't think she really remembers how she gets back. Because there's a framing device where this entire time we're seeing her at the end, after she's come back from Area X, talking to um, Lomax. Lomax. Which, every time I hear anyone named Lomax, Bernie Lomax, from Weekend at Bernie's. I think of the Lorax. Yeah, I do too. Mm, You guys gotta watch more Weekend at Bernie's, clearly. I guess so. Terry Kaiser? More no? Weekend no? Favorite movie. One of my favorite movies of I all mean, time. I mean, I know Weekend at Bernie's and Weekend at Bernie's 2 mm, when he Not dances. nearly as good. Wow. Weekend at Bernie's 1, far superior. So the interrogation scenes are, are kind of like interspersed throughout, kind of like leading us from moment to moment, I guess. not They're not too distracting. I guess. Like, there's not too much of them. <laughs> But, um, I, I fucking guess. I don't know. I don't Whatever. Know. <laughs> Lomax asks, though, he's like, was it aliens? And she's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> she nods. I mean, she nods. Yeah. More or less. But, because, like, at the, we see at the very beginning, like, something, like, the lighthouse from afar, and we see something strike it from the sky. So, we can assume that that is an alien thing adjacent yeah thing. like landing in this lighthouse <laughs> alien adjacent yeah um a cousin to the alien um so we see her in like at the very end in this interrogation room and he is kind of asking her about it and like then this is another thing i was confused about that she be- like since she's come back Kane, who was previously in, like, you know, terrible condition. Organ failure. And was about to die. Yeah, like, his organs were failing. Is suddenly, like, better or, like, mm-hmm. recovering yeah. because the lighthouse caught off. And I wasn't sure how that made sense. Alien's gone. 
Yeah. No, he's fine. Because, like, we can tell that there is something changed in her, and we can tell that this is what the... I, I mean, my interpretation was that the alien is, you know, it. even though she destroyed it, it managed to spread its area X-ness into her. Because she's sitting in the interrogation room and she touches her water glass and you see, like, the water on the edge of the glass, like, do this, like, pattern and, like, move into itself and split apart, like, very subtly. Like a cell. Like a cell. And... Then she goes in to talk to Kane. Um, but so, but like we understand that, like both she and him, she and he, <laughs> they, <laughs> these two people have come back with whatever this is inside of them, and they're going to, you know, spread it probably because mm-hmm. the boundaries of Area X are already expanding as it is, yeah. and it seems that the purpose of this thing is to spread like a cancer which is Mm -hmm. you know heavily like echoed in everything it does from like the multiplying cells to yes everything Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of like how it ends and it just kind of ends on them sort of she goes in and she's like you are not kane and he's like yeah no (laughs) i don't think so he's like i don't think so and she's like He's like, are you Lena? And she, I don't know if she, she like nods maybe or I don't know. And then he, they hug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it ends. And you see the little shimmer in their eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means they're just going to spread it to everyone and the whole world is going to become. It's like the cancer is in remission, but it's, you know, con- going to come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of, not ambiguous, but, like, sort of weird ending that Alex Garland likes, I think. Yeah. Because the ending of Ex Machina is, is like, I don't know, like, you kind of, I kind of struggle with these sorts of endings and think about them for a long time afterwards, which I think is a mark of a good movie. Yeah. Um, In that... You know, like, after watching the movie, I kept wondering, like, was it them that came back? Was it not? If it, like, why does it matter if it's them or not? What's gonna happen now? Like, I don't know. It just... Yeah. had a lot of thoughts about it. The same way with Ex Machina, um, which I guess I won't spoil the ending of Ex Machina. Because this isn't about Ex Machina, but, like, I had similar feelings. Dear God. It's It's not about Weekend at Bernie's either, but... (laughs) (laughs) But like you know, I like I thought at the end of Ex Machina, like wow, I have so much to think about now because it's kind of like a complex ending. It's not just strictly happy or strictly sad or closed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just kind of an open. Well, I mean, ending. I assumed yeah. this was an open ending because of the fact that there's probably going to be two more movies. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Really, I just assumed it's it's strange because I would have. You know, I'd be down for that. Me too. Give me more of this. The ending of this is so drastically different than the ending of the Mm, book. I wouldn't know. And it leaves things so much less open in a way than the the book did. Because I guess we can sort of like transition into talking about the differences between the movie and the book. Oh, do you want me to just leave? I'll just go. No, No. Susan. (laughs) 
I just cannot contribute. Susan, your role, your role in this section of the podcast is just to be like, really? Oh, what? wow. I didn't okay, know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Or if I think of like an 80s or 90s movie that kind of relates to it somehow, I'll bring it up. Yeah, then yeah, throw that yeah. in. Yeah. But in the in the book at the end, she she doesn't leave at the end of the book. Yeah, she, she discovers there. that through journals that Kane did not leave either. He saw himself, he saw the version of himself leaving for the border, and he decided to venture north into another part of Area X. And she decides at the end that she's going to follow him or try Mm -hmm. to follow the path that he took anyway, because she has no idea if he's alive or, yeah. Yeah. And the whole book is her journal. God, I need to go read it. Okay. It's quite good. I'm just going to leave. It's well, very you guys short, wait for me, too. I'm going to go read it. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> Since we waited for everyone to watch the movie, I feel like you can give me time. Yeah. Okay, did you read it? Are you done? And I'm done. Cool. How did you like Did you like it? Oh, my God, I loved it. It's very different. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very different from the movie, and I think that's great. That's great. I keep telling people this, but it's like, it's wonderful to have a book that you really love and be able to go see a movie adaptation of it that's completely different and like not know what's gonna happen because Mm -hmm. i think the movie and the book arrive at a similar place yeah they just are telling slightly different stories to get there yeah and what i really think was so great about this movie is that it like takes everything that the book makes you feel like the mood of the book, mm-hmm. like the way that I visually imagine things in the book, just the like uncomfortable creepiness and dread. The slow burn. The slow burn. Like everything about the book and the way that it makes you feel is translated into the movie, whether or not the actual sequence of events mm. is the same. Yeah. And I it's rare that you see a movie that so well captures like the mood of a book and I think mm-hmm. that that's what this that's does really important. well. Ooh, I'm so yeah. excited yeah. to read it now. And I don't normally like to read something after I've seen. Yeah. But yeah. it's it but there are surprises waiting for oh, you. Oh yeah, it sounds it's like there are many so. and I'm very excited. So I feel like Alex Garland read this book and is like I can go ham on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and there oh, are a yeah. lot of things that are sort of like as apparently Jeff Vandermeer does, there are a lot of things that aren't quite defined or explained, and it's hard to like come up with a visual solution for a lot of the things. There, I just reread the book, and there's a pretty important lengthy scene where the biologist sees a creature that they've kind of been hearing about and following for most of the book. Mm-hmm. And when she sees it, she talks a lot about how she feels. Mm-hmm. And the physical sensation of being near this creature, the emotional um, state she's in while seeing this creature. But she says when she looks at it, all she can see is a bright light. Yeah. And that's not really anything that would work well on film. But in the book where you can hear all about how she feels and what she's thinking, it works. So I think making some different creatures that are extremely disturbing is like a nice way to circumvent something that works in the book but wouldn't work on film and still make it work yes if that i just said work a lot but (laughs) you know what i mean make it make it work as tim gunn would say as tim gunn would say 
Or Rihanna. As Tim Gunn slash Rihanna would say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. I I don't know how, I mean, now that we're here, like, I don't know how in-depth we want to get into the book. There, one thing that's really creepy to me in the book that is a big deal is there is a tower. Mm-hmm. Or a tunnel. Or a tunnel. <laughs> the biologist calls it a tower, and she doesn't understand why everyone else calls it a tunnel. Because it goes into it, the ground. It goes bitch. into the ground. And there is uh, this <laughs> yeah, creature bitch. in there. This creature in there called the crawler, or she calls oh, it yeah. the crawler, mm-hmm. that is writing on the walls of this uh, sort of like spiral staircase as it descends into the ground. And he, it, it's writing this sermon that is very creepy. And the language is sort of like pseudo-biblical, but it makes no sense mm-hmm. altogether. Um, I love this so much. I have the transcript, like the complete sermon hanging up in my office. Oh, cool. So yeah. cute, Mary. But I, so like, the, it's really, it's creepy. And there that it contributes to that slow burn dread of like, oh, these words are creepy. There's something down there. We don't know what it is. It kills somebody. What's going to happen? And for me, that really helped push the book along because I wanted to know so badly what was at the bottom of that tower. Yeah. And the tower doesn't appear at all in the movie, but it wouldn't have worked. (laughs) I mean, it just like it just wouldn't have worked. It seems like they just sort of combine the tower and the lighthouse into one entity. And there's a lot of stuff in the tower that they just didn't, you know... Alex Garland Do. opted not to try to represent because it wouldn't have made any sense. But I think, like, the overall what happens with the alien is similar to what happens mm-hmm. with the crawler. Yeah. Interesting. And I mean, also, part of the horror in the book is that the biologist discovers that there haven't been just 12 expeditions, as she was told. There have been. Who knows how many? Yeah, she finds she finds the journals, yeah. and she's like, "There are too many." There's journals like here. a thousand journals like stacked yeah. at the bottom Ooh. of this thing. It's frightening, and she realizes like people have been coming in here and dying repeatedly, and we're being lied to, and it's oh, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about in in the book. Uh, the psychologist um, performs hypnosis. On oh, yes. the members of the expedition. And uh, pretty like early in the book, because of something that happens, uh, the main character, Orlina, like just like realizes that she is now immune to the hypnosis, but she can see and like hear the psychologist hypnotizing with these commands the other members of the expedition and i thought it was really interesting because you we don't get that at all in the movie but we do get a couple of things that sort of point to that possibly existing such as the fact Mm -hmm. that they all wake up at this campsite and they don't know how they got there they don't remember anything and that's very similar to what happens um, in the book where but the psychologist has sort of said like you're going you're going to forget all of this you know and she is a very like hard to reach character um, in the movie and I wonder if that was like something that they were just that like if it was sort of like a little added bonus if you like knew that this had been happening in the book that you could like read that into it 
Yeah, she looked shady. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee is good at playing shady ass bitches. <laughs> she was yeah. she was great. She was shady as hell. Yeah. She was great. The acting in the movie was Yeah. I think superb and it's so great to see like a mostly women cast. Yes, that very was diverse. Awesome. Very diverse. I did read a tweet that was throwing some shade so hard and i agree like maybe this would have sold more tickets if you put tessa thompson and gina rodriguez's name on the poster yeah yeah also interesting and uh, uh, well apparently and i haven't i haven't read the second book yet so i don't know but in the first book the physical appearance of the main character slash lena is never described at all Mm -hmm. Because she's writing it, so why would she yeah, describe it? Yeah, she's not going to describe herself. Yeah, this isn't a YA novel. Exactly. <laughs> I looked in the mirror and saw my stringy brown hair. Like, classic YA <laughs> sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, she doesn't ever do that. So, I guess in the second book, it is implied that she is of Asian yes. descent. Because the second book has a different narrator who looks at her and talks to her so right you get more of a description okay this is all just blowing my mind thank goodness because the narrator of the first audiobook was driving me crazy <laughs> the whole trilogy is great and you can see like how it's set up once you finish it really mary i've never heard you talk about the southern reach trilogy i know i can't yeah, I know, believe i've it. never mentioned it before. i just assumed you didn't like it yeah. um <laughs> so but but there's been some criticism of of whitewashing mm-hmm. because Natalie Portman was cast in the role of a character who we later find out is Asian American, Korean Korean American maybe I don't know I don't know if they specify but she's Asian American and then um, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is Native American. Okay, so but there is no indication of this and i honestly don't even know if alex garland was planning on doing this as a series or if he just read the first one and was like i'm gonna adapt this book based on just read the first book he did not read the other two books and i don't think he intended it as a series otherwise they probably would have casted noted asian american actress emma stone to play (laughs) exactly yeah, she would have been perfect. Um, but I think it's kind of it, – this. I don't feel like this is the movie to come after for that because it's an all-female cast with, like, two leading women of color. And the only – like, the only two men with speaking roles are Asian and Hispanic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. And Dan – it's black, black. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I fucking forgot about Dan because he's terrible. Fuck you, Dan. You too, Dan. Fuck you, Dan. It's you too, Dan. You too. It's you too, Dan. That's my power line from now on is it's you too, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a pretty diverse yeah, cast considering definitely. there's not many people in it. Yeah. yeah. And it is, you know, a sci-fi film fronted mm-hmm. by four female characters yeah which is pretty badass so so don't come for annihilation okay go go get some other sci-fi movie one of those sexist sci-fi movies because there are tons and it's not like oops it's an accident like we are just these helpless ladies and we ended up here it's not like that at all you know it's like they are doing this on purpose (laughs) i get the criticism but and i was irritated when i first heard 
that it was maybe whitewashed, but then hearing that Alex Garland didn't read the other two books, there's not even a mention of anyone's race, really, in the first book. There's so literally like, not at all. What is there to whitewash? There's no description yeah. of anyone. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, I'm, and I think, you know, like, the cast was great. And I think a lot of the heavy lifting was done by Gina Rodriguez and Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Like, they did some great acting. Natalie Portman was great. Jennifer Jason Lee was great. I loved the whole cast. But I think that, uh, like, especially Gina Rodriguez got, like, some of the standout mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. I would agree. She was really the catalyst for a lot of the big um, plot movements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like, she was the one that really, like, was taking action and reacting to the things that were happening. Whereas everybody else seemed more willing to just let these things happen. Uh, She was was not having it and was like, okay, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And she is also a queer character, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. um, was not in the book because there was, like, basically also about the book. All of the other characters die – Really quickly. Or if they don't die, they're just kind of They disappear. Gone. Like, yeah. the surveyor, which is essentially Anya, is just kind of, like, waiting. Yeah. For most of the novel, yeah. and she's not around. So, the characterization um, in this movie is a lot more, like, in-depth than it is in the book for all the other characters. They all get backstory. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of cool that there's like an offhanded mention at the beginning where she's like she like tries to flirt with Natalie Portman and she's like, "Do you have to flirt with every girl who comes in here?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah." It's just like a cute little moment for them to sort of like just throw it out there, like, "Hey, this is like a, an aspect of her identity," and I really appreciated that. I will say, and I. I guess this will probably come up when we talk about our feelings about the movie, but I will say, like, one of the things... We we talked earlier about how we didn't like what the movie did with the relationship between Lena and Kane, um, that, that we thought the book was handling that better. I really liked the character development for the other characters in the in the movie a lot. I know like Mary, we talked about this a little bit and you you liked how everybody was kind of more anonymous. Um, anonymous in the book. But I really appreciated like having characters with personalities that I could mm-hmm. latch onto and care about. And I liked having I liked the fact that they, you know, lived longer and that, you know, we got to know yeah. them and that there were relationships forni- forming and then you know, when people started dying, I actually the old cared. Something. Yeah. It wasn't just I, like, I'm, oh, that person died. Well. I like both. I like both ways of doing it. It's just totally different. And I think I love the book so much that especially with the first time I saw the movie, even though I liked it, I was really resistant to some of the differences because I think those things work so well in the book. But I mean... Like we were kind of talking about before, what works in a book doesn't necessarily work in a movie. Yes. Do we want to get into? Do we want to get into our like quick reviews? I think we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot and things we like or don't like. But if we were going to rate it, what would we? What would we rate it? And we can do Rotten Tomatoes movie ratings. I'm going to do Letterbox because that's how I rate things. So okay, what is their scale? They give you half stars. out of five, and you get half okay. stars. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, I gave it five stars. Well, shit. You didn't even need the half stars. No, I really, really liked it. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a really big fan of Alex Garland's work. He, Mm -hmm. um, Ex Machina was his first direct, 
directing movie movie he directed. I can't talk. Um, yeah, directorial but, I mean, debut. Yeah, but he's works on a lot of movies that I also really love. He wrote Never Let Me Go, which is like mm-hmm. one of my faves. One of my fave books. Love that movie. Um, I just I really enjoy his work, and so I think I kind of knew going into this that I was gonna really like it. And I I know that there are some things that aren't perfect about it but that doesn't really matter to me because i just really enjoyed it so much and also i felt very like emotionally connected to the material and this you know all these people that are saying like i don't know what it's about like it's about so many things one of the things that really stands out to me is how it's about our fear of death mm-hmm. and how and how death isn't really the end of anything it's just things changing right yeah. <laughs> um and i thought that that was a really it's a really interesting way to approach a very common theme that we see in a lot of movies. Like maybe we could argue that every movie is about fear of mortality in some sort of way. Um, So I was just really moved by this movie and I've seen it twice and I would totally go see it again. Yeah. I want to see it again. So I gave it five stars. I'm going to, I'm going to rotten tomatoes it because someone asked me this earlier today. What would you give it like out of a hundred? And I said 90. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with 90. Pretty good and score. And that's a very good score considering, like, 50 Shades got a 14 mm-hmm. from me. Uh, solid <laughs> 14. Um, and I would love to go see it again, actually, and I probably will do that. So, And that says a lot. Let's I hardly go. ever spend money on a movie twice. Hardly ever. Yeah. But I will if Natalie Portman is in it and it's really great, which this was. Um, I'll go. This is Kelly again. Oh, did I say that I was Emily? Oh, I, I don't think I did. This has been Emily and then Susan. Thanks. <laughs> or are we yeah. the real us? Are you still Emily? Are you Hard still Susan? Are Hard you still Kelly? I, I'll i do letterbox rating. And I think I'm going to go with like a four and a half. You so rough. You so tough. I'm rough and tough. No, I, I, I feel like I need to see it again. Um. So maybe if I see it twice, I will bump it up a little bit more. But, I mean, it's not like there was anything – I mean, we talked about some of the, like, minor issues that we had with it. But I think it's really successful and I think it's, like, an excellent adaptation of a book that I really loved as well. Mm-hmm. So If we're doing Litterbox, I, too, would give it a 5 out of 5. Sweet. Yay! I really liked it. I really liked it. I liked it so much that as soon as I got out of the theater the first time, I said, I have to go back and see this again. And I would I would go again. Yeah, Mary and I have both seen it twice, and we're ready to go again. So Yeah. To be fair, we have movie pass, so we just so like... it's not a big commitment. Yeah. We can just go. We're not really spending <laughs> money on it. Movie pass is spending money on it. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I thought it was great, and even as someone who really loves the book, I thought that the movie did such a good job of, like, tackling a lot of the same themes. And if I wasn't going to think about this book as a trilogy and instead, like, if I wasn't going to think about this story as a trilogy and instead just think about it as one installment, I think Alex Garland, like, delivered a really great ending um, to sort of leave us thinking, but still have the finality you need to just have a one movie story. And I think it's rare right now to have movies that just know when to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Because so many things are like, we can get like three movies out of this one book. And TV shows, you know? Thank God you stopped after two seasons and not Yeah, and I, like, 
I love a good succinct story and the writing is wonderful. The atmosphere is great. Like I would give it a five out of five. I would buy this movie, which is saying a lot because I don't buy a whole lot of movies. So that's all we've got, I guess, on Annihilation. If you have questions or comments or maybe um, theories, your theories, if you're questioning if we are aliens now. Send if you're all an alien now. If you're an alien now also, and you want to talk about it. <laughs> I personally welcome any questions about Weekend at Bernie's. If you do just want to talk about it. <laughs> but honestly, Weekend at Bernie's is probably my third favorite movie of all time. And so if you do, if you do want to talk about it, I am here for that. So Yes. Maybe one day we'll do a Weekend at Bernie's mini-sode if, you're, if you Y'all, want that. Let like, wow, that's really please. weird. I feel like Susan just talked, but I, for some reason, just cut out everything she said, so. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh my god, you're such a bitch. I am. Okay, it's gonna be fun when we do the Weekend at Bernie's mini-sode, and I look so forward to it, I'm gonna ask the tough questions that haven't been asked, you know? Just the tough ones. Like, what is that movie really about, you know? I think that movie's about our well, fear of death, for too. sure. First yeah, of all, obviously. Also, like it's about laughing yeah. at really tragic things because if you don't laugh, you will cry. So I'm crying right now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, if you have any questions, please send them to us via Facebook via email at I don't usually do this part so I'm like you're gonna do it you're fine book squad goals at booksquad.ink I-N-K like a squid like a squid wow Susan I've always wanted to be the one excellent soon we're gonna have a new email address oh my gosh so exciting also but we're on Instagram and Twitter (laughs) at book squad goals that's staying, staying the, same. the same. Yep. Uh, yep. Currently, you can find our blog though at booksquad.ink/blog. Oh my God, what's on what's it? On the blog, what's guys? on it? What's on the and blog? speaking of the blog, Riverdale is back, baby. It sure is. Oh God. It sure <laughs> and pretty soon, fucking is. Pretty soon, there's going to be a special musical oh episode. My God. Really looking forward to that. I'm one. not. I'm hyped. <laughs> um. So R- Riverdale recaps are back. America's Next Top Model is still oh, here, um, and Susan fierce. is still oh, recapping it. Say that I was fierce. And but still whatever. fierce. Thank, you thank are fierce. You. Team Christiana. Team Christiana. Woo! Second, second place Gina. Also, The Bachelor's over now. Now we all know about the horrible thing Ari did. Um, even though The Bachelor is over right now, Susan has written a review of Andy Dorfman's new book. Single State of Mind. Yeah. And that is up on our blog now for your reading. Also, you can go see how wrong all of my Oscars predictions are. <laughs> yeah, I did go okay. back and check those, Kelly, by the way. I know. Just to I see tried. how you did. Yeah. Oh, Mary, you just did a blog too, didn't you? Yes, I just wrote a blog about um, Horizon Zero Dawn, a Ooh. video game for the PS4, where you play Aloy, a young tough woman just trying to get out there in the world and kill some machines oh that's nice 
But I'm basically writing about how this game is like a really great representation of women as opposed to some other popular games in recent years. So sweet. If you were interested in that, it is also available. (laughs) And what is next on the podcast? And next season. Yeah, tell us about your book. Um, We are reading No One's Coming to Save Us by Stephanie Powell. Watts. Why do I, I always want to say Stephanie Powell Jenkins? And I don't know why. Because <laughs> no. Taylor Jenkins Reed? Maybe. Maybe, oh. yeah. If you got three names, one of them has to be Jenkins. So many three-named yeah. authors. Much like my name joint. is Susan Elliott Jenkins. But anyway. Um, yeah, so <laughs> apparently, and I don't, I'm not that far into it yet. I'm only like 20 pages in, but it's like a, there's like a Me too. Gatsby-esque yeah. kind of retelling in the contemporary South, and I'm very excited about that. And that's cool. all I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's all we have for today. Yeah. Please um, yeah. subscribe and like us on all of the social yeah. medias. And visit us and please, on please, the web. Please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's the yeah. only way we're going to get more listeners. It's the only way. Yeah, that and paying people. Help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. Yes. All right. Think of the kittens and the puppies. Yeah, also Nicolas Cage subscribes, so. You want to be like that cool guy? Yeah, he's a friend of the show, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Close friend and confidant of the show. Yeah, we call him Nick around here, just with a C. Yeah. Yeah. And I see. We're butts. Sometimes I call him Lil Nicky. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. Oh my god, I'm cutting so much of this out. What part? I can't imagine.